Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. I want to talk to you about I was hoping. Everybody say, I was hoping. It's a phrase that comes up so often in people's lives, their language, their conversation. In Ephesians 1, verse 18, Paul prays a prayer that kind of reaches down through time. And it ought to touch your life this morning. It's a prayer that he prays for the church at Ephesus, but it's the inspired word of God. And it's for you this morning. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. I want you to catch this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that something will get turned on on the inside of you so that you can know the hope to which he's called you. Not hopelessness, not disaster. I love the theme for this year, the adventure starts here, and I believe you're starting a new series, I Dare You. And some of the great journeys of the world, great adventures, have been done out of sheer desperation. But the better ones have been done out of a sense of hope. The hope of finding something, of discovering something, of achieving something. And you can do life desperate, or you can do life filled with hope because a light's turned on on the inside. And the adventure is better when there's hope in your life. Somebody said that the human soul can endure almost anything except the loss of hope. The human soul can endure anything, almost anything, except the loss of hope. Something happens to human beings when hope is snuffed out in their lives. People die. Literally, it becomes the point, a turning point. They interviewed people that were survivors in concentration camps, and it's often those that just had hope that endured what others couldn't at the time. Hope is a powerful thing. The Bible says, and we sang this in the very first song, that hope is an anchor for your soul. I love this verse in Hebrews 6 verse 19. He says, this hope we have as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And I love that idea that hope kind of anchors you to something. My brother-in-law uh, is a Kiwi, which is a lot of pain in my life when it comes to rugby. But anyway, we'll leave it. I, I'm just battling to get over yesterday. That's all. I'm admitting it. But, and I know some of you don't care, but you should. And, and he's a surgeon, and so he's got a boat. You know, it just goes with the territory. And uh, it's always amazing when we go out, and there's some beautiful places around the coastline of New Zealand, and you pull into a little thing, and I'll let down the anchor. And it's not an enormous boat. I don't want to distort it, but it's not small. It's not a little runabout, okay? It's not a rowing boat, but it's a fair-sized thing. And you lower the anchor, and I can actually physically lower it and pull it up. A little bit of effort, but it's tiny, and it secures the thing that weighs a few ton. But the point of an anchor is not how heavy or big the anchor is. It's what it's anchored into. And when you really think of it, that anchor secures itself to the planet and secures the boat to the planet if it's anchored properly. And the similar thing is we often try to magnify how much hope have I got, how much faith have I got. And growing in faith and increasing in hope is important, but what it's anchored in is more important. 
And just a tiny bit of hope anchored in the almighty God is far more powerful than a lot of hope anchored in nothing. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Just listen to it out of the message. And sometimes I just love reading the message because it brings us freshness to verses that we've become a little familiar with. Hebrews 6 verse 18 and 19 in the message. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right into the very presence of God. I love that. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. That's what hope is. An unbreakable spiritual lifeline. And it anchors the soul. When the Bible talks about the soul, it's your mind, your will, your emotions. And all of us are wired slightly different. Some of us are more emotional in our response to things. Some of us get locked into things in our head and all sorts of things, good, bad, or otherwise going in our heads. You know. But we all wrestle with those aspects of our personality. And often when you're in a situation, it's your soul that's battling to grab hold of the promise, grab hold of a future, believe that there's something past the problem of today. And he says hope actually reaches past that. It, It brings stability to your emotions. It brings stability to your thought life. It brings stability to your will. You can be more decisive and stick to that thing because you've got hope. It's hope. And it's important for any adventure. It's important for anything that you would dare to do as a step of faith is you have real hope. I'm not talking about the kind of hope where I hope the bus comes on time. Because that's a vain hope in most cities. I don't know about Edinburgh, Aberdeen. But it's not that kind of hope. Oh, I hope. It's not that. This is I'm hoping. It's biblical. It's spiritual. It's powerful. But here's the thing. Hope is easy the first time. And it becomes harder when your hopes are dashed, when you face repeated disappointment. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands who's ever experienced that because if you've lived for any length of time, you've had hopes dashed, you've had disappointments where you expected something, where you even believed something and it didn't happen and you left with this question and you don't always know what to do with the question because should I carry on, yell at God, what should I do about it? You know, yell at the pastor is usually what we do. Um, even though he's not God. He knows that and so does, yeah, boy, go and come here. Proverbs 13, I love the wisdom of the Bible. Verse 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick and there's many of us that are carrying like a little bit of sickness in our heart we're really good in a whole lot of areas and we love Jesus and we love the church and we love being involved and we committed and all that kind of thing but there's just this question mark that kind of festers this disappointment this frustration this thing that got dashed and there's just this little bit of sickness in our heart where hope was deferred We'd worked so hard, we'd committed so hard, we'd believed so hard, we'd invested, and it didn't happen. And when we prayed, God didn't take our advice that we offered him in our prayer. (laughs) Isn't that often what our prayers are? Advice to God. God, I'm just saying, if I were you, this is what you could do to fix this. (laughs) Anyway, another topic. A guy called Norman Cousins said, uh, death is not the greatest loss in life. 
The greatest loss in life is what dies within us while we still live. Death is not the greatest loss in life. The greatest loss in life is what dies within us while we still live. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I want to look at a little bit at Jeremiah's life. He, he lived in chaotic times. It's hard to fully imagine, fully understand the times that he lived in. The threat of an invading army, other cities that had fallen, uh, people going into captivity, slavery, people being slain in the streets. I mean, it just was a disaster, an impending disaster. A nation that continues to rebel against God in, in the face of the judgment that was about to come. And he's just has this moment of total desperation. But in the midst of the chaos, he prophesies hope. And we often quote the verse out of Jeremiah 29, verse 11, when it says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's what the whole idea of adventure and I dare you is all about, is this, this future, this hope that God has for us. But in the middle of that, when everything is totally out of control, he has a really bad hair day. I've had one for a number of years. But anyway, that's another thing. But he really has a shocking day. And he writes the book of Lamentations. And I don't know, you've probably skipped through the book of Lamentations because you're like, oh, this is so depressing to read this guy whinging. But it's because there's this disaster. All around, he just sees problems, things going wrong, things out of control. The nation's out of control. His life's out of control. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die. There's just this sense of chaos, and he can't do anything about it. And he writes, and the book of Lamentations, the word lament is like just one big complaint. And that's what the book of Lamentations is. Not totally, but it's primarily what it is. There was a TV show many, many years ago in America um, and they used to sing the Hee Haw song. Anybody ever heard that thing? The Hee Haw song. It was a bunch of hillbillies and they'd do different things and something would always go wrong and they'd break out into the song and it was gloom, despair and agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for my bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. <laughs> And that's what the Book of Lamentations is like. You know? It's just like, oh, God, you know. And we've all felt that at times, haven't we? We've all been in that place. And Jeremiah, in this book, comes to verse 19 and 20. And he says, I remember my affliction and my wondering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them well and my soul is downcast within me. He is about to lose hope, that hope that is an anchor to his soul. Uh, In one translation, it says, my soul still remembers. It's like, I want to get past this, but there's something that is so wounded in my soul, something in here with disappointment. And my soul says, no, 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 we're not going there again. We tried that. I'm not going to do that again. It hurts too much. It's too frustrating. It didn't work the last time. And I think that's such an awful place to be in where your, your soul remembers. And what it's remembering is the wrong thing, the disappointment, the pain. It's almost like I'll never forget that time. I, I just can't get past that. And he actually talks about three things when he talks about the whole thing of my afflictions, my wondering, the bitterness and the gall. They, they actually describe three aspects of life that I just want to touch on. The the word afflictions describes kind of past problems. 
And uh, the actual word affliction has in its origin, its etymology, the, 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 the word, uh, an Assyrian word for torture. And it describes it an Assyrian form of torture. And they, were, they had some brutal things. But one of the things they do was either tie a person to a pole or peg them out on the ground. That worked both ways. And so we imagine somebody just tied to the ground, pegged down to the ground. And they would begin to bring little rocks and start making a form around them, then slowly put one rock at a time. Now, not boulders, just small hand-sized rocks, one at a time on you. And at first it's like, is that all you got? You know? And then it's one rock after another rock after another rock. And bit by bit, the weight of it, one rock at a time, begins to disrupt circulation, begins to make it almost impossible to breathe and because of the, the pressure. And it's only one rock at a time. It's not like one boulder crushed all over. It's one rock at a time, one after the other, after the other. It's not the first one. It's not the second one. It's the, the repeated thing. And eventually the person asphyxiates with circulation, having been stopped to different parts of the body, and it's an agonizing death. And often for us, it's not the one problem or the two problems. It's just like sometimes it feels like it's the one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. It begins to just crush life out of you. It begins to feel like, I just can't get out of this. Job, we know, went through some horrendous things. And we get the privilege of reading the end of the story. He didn't know the end when he was in the middle. And Job says in Job 30 verse 26, I looked for good. He said, I was still hoping. I was still expectant. And he said, an evil came instead. I waited for the light and darkness fell. Not a good place to be. This thing of past problems that just cause your soul still to remember. And then he talks about my wonderings. And he's talking about past mistakes. And if we honor some of the issues that you have in your life, the things you're struggling with are because of decisions you made. And if you're really honest, you'd love to be able to find somebody else to blame. But really, you made the decision or the decisions that led to something. And you can't unwind it. But now you're dealing with the, the consequence, and it's like, there's no way out. I, I, I wish I could turn this around. I, I don't know what to do. And we can feel so trapped and hopeless about some of our own poor life choices. There's a couple who were struggling with their son, who was being rebellious. And the father passed the, the son's bedroom and was astonished to see that the bed was perfectly made up, which has never happened. Everything was neat and tidy, everything in its place. And then he saw an envelope propped up uh, on prominently on the pillow this night. Neatly made bed, just addressed dad. And when his heart sunk, there was this terrible premonition. And he opened the letter and read the following with trembling hands. Dear dad, it's with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing to you. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with you and mum. I've been finding a real passionate relationship with LaDonna and she's so nice. I know you wouldn't approve of her because of her piercings, tattoos, tight motorcycle clothes, and because she's so much older than I. But it's not only the passion, Dad, she's also pregnant. LaDonna says we're going to be very happy. 
she owns a trailer out in the forest and has a stack of firewood enough for winter. We share a dream of having many, many more children. LaDonna has opened my eyes that marijuana doesn't really hurt anybody and we'll be growing it and trading it with other people in the commune for cocaine and ecstasy. In the meantime, we pray that science will find a cure for a terminal illness so she can get better. She sure deserves it. Don't worry, Dad. I'm 15 years old and I know how to take care of myself. Someday, I'm sure we'll be back and visit so you can get to know your grandkids. Your son... Chaz. <laughs> P.S. Dear Dad, none of the things above are true. I'm over at Tommy's house. I just wanted to remind you that there are worse things in life than the report card on your desk. <laughs> P.S. <laughs> I love you. Call me when it's safe to come home. <laughs> that, we're not talking about that bad of choices, I hope. <laughs> but that whole thing of just bad choices. In Psalm 119, verse 176, is that long, long psalm that just goes on. He says, I've wandered away like a lost sheep. Come and find me. I've not forgotten your commands. And the truth is, sometimes there's just stuff we've done. And we just got to say, God, I've messed up. And the final thing, he, he talks about uh, the affliction, that crushing thing. The, the, the wanderings, the mistakes that I've made that I need to own. And then he says the bitterness and the gall. And I think he's talking about relationships. But bitterness comes from broken relationships, from disappointment in relationships. And, and we carry that pain in our hearts. Things don't really hurt us. Uh, Maybe physically you're bumping into something. But things don't, people hurt us. Our expectations, the things that didn't happen, the things they promised they didn't do, all, all that kind of stuff, the misunderstandings, the miscommunications. And the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 12 verse 15 says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. That whole idea that if something gets in your heart with people, man, it's hard to get out of your heart. And really, if that's going on in your heart, it's because you've missed God's grace for that moment. And I want to encourage you just where you are right now, say, God, I need grace for that. Because there's bitterness in my heart. There's, there's, I'm not getting over this because of that person and what I think they did or what they actually did and whatever, you know. And then I love the turning point in Lamentations. Now that I've got you totally depressed, let's see if we can get out of here, okay? <laughs> He turns around, and remember, he's just said, my soul still remembers the, the bitterness, the gall, the wanderings, the affliction. And he says, I remember, yet I still dare to hope. I dare you. I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercy begins afresh each morning. Oh, I just love that. I still dare to hope. Because it's not just a random thing. It's not just, oh, I'm hoping and it's tied to something fanciful or vain. He says, I still dare to hope because I know something about God. That's why I dare to hope. 
because I know something about God. He's, the, 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 the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy never ceases. Great is his faithfulness. And I want you to notice this. His mercy begins afresh every morning. Every single morning, there's a fresh dose of all of this available. And there's something in that thought that helps you get out of the other stuff. It's if you just say, and it's got to be an intentional thing. I'm going to remind myself this morning that God's faithfulness and love never ends. I'm going to remind myself this morning that mercy is available to me. I'm going to remind myself that I serve a faithful God. And I'm going to do it every single morning as a point of just speaking to my soul. So that I don't get locked into the affliction and to the wandering and the mistakes and to the bitterness and the gall. Every day to remind yourself, number one, of God's pardon or forgiveness. In Isaiah 43, he says, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past. And I know that's a verse we use a lot, but the whole thing, you can get so locked into stuff dwelling on the past. I have a propensity to do that occasionally. I know it's in my nature. I wish it wasn't. It's tied to some good things, but I can get into this downward spiral of stuff that just, oh, I'm going to remind myself, no, stop it. Don't dwell on it. Don't let yesterday define you. Define you. Just find God's forgiveness. And for that, we, we need to have a right view of God. And I, this is a topic I could go to town on, but I just want to give you one verse that, that perhaps you're familiar with, but just look at it in a slightly different way. And we're going to go to the Old Testament. Uh, Micah 7 verse 18. And he asked a question. And what we need to understand, this question is said in the context of contrasting the living God with all the false gods around about them. So he says, who is a God like our God who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. God, I dare you, find another God who forgives like our God. Find another God who sends his son to be a savior. Find another God anyway who forgives like our God. All the other gods that they are comparing to are capricious, they're angry, they're vengeful, they are just unreliable, inconsistent in their responses to human beings, but not our God. And I love this thought, who delights to show mercy, who delights to forgive. He, he, he finds it a joy to forgive you. And, and you think about how often when you're struggling with something that you've done that's wrong and you know that you've sinned and, and, and you, you come before God as if God's about to smack you. He's about to beat you. But you, you've got the wrong idea of God. He says, I actually delight. I mean, that's a strong word, isn't it? I delight to forgive you. I take joy in forgiving you. It is my delight, God says to us, to forgive you. And I think there's some people here that just need to have a little shift in your thinking about God and let him be the God that forgives you, not the God that beats you. The God that releases you from your past, not the God that binds you to it with condemnation and guilt. It's the wrong idea. There's so many other verses on that. So grab hold of God's pardon when 
this mercy is fresh every morning. Secondly, grab hold of God's promise. There's something about just reading your Bible every day and connecting to the promises of God. Because the promises are always filled with hope. They're always about the future. And in Psalm 119 verse 81, I'm worn out waiting for your rescue, but I've put my hope in your word. I, I, I just want to touch on this really quickly, and I know I'm packing a lot in, but the, the, the whole thing of just reading your Bible, and I know there's some people who go, oh, God, I feel so guilty already. Go back to the first point, please. <laughs> I feel so condemned. I, just, you know, I started this year, and I had a reading plan, and within three days, I was 10 chapters behind. <laughs> Ever been that person? Don't put up your hand, you know. And then we come to the word, we think, oh, I need to read the Bible. And then we go, I'm so far behind. I haven't read the word for 10 days, for three days, for whatever. I'm 20 chapters behind it. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. And I think God just says, shut up. You know, God talks to me like that sometimes. Would you just shut up? Probably more polite than that, but I don't know. I don't want to hear what you've missed. I want to hear you. I want to speak to you. And so I think it's great to have a reading plan and to be as disciplined as you can, but not to make it another law that condemns you. And if you are behind, just take it and pretend you've read it and, and come and read this one. Now, I know this sounds, you're a pastor and you say, yeah, but I know people. And we're struggling with what we didn't do. And God says, how about we just start fresh today? Why don't we just start fresh today with your Bible reading? And I know for those of you who love lists, the idea of ticking something that you didn't do is just beyond your comprehension. Like, I can't do that. Get your partner to do it for you. That's done. You know? But the point is there's something. And even if it's a verse or two every day, we'll do something in your heart and in your soul. Romans 4.18 When there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he'd become the father of many nations. Listen to this. For God had said to him. He had a promise. He had a word. And there's something about God's word, God's promise that restores hope. When you come to it fresh every morning. The third thing. We're almost done. God's process. This is a big topic, but I'm just going to give you one verse on it. We need to understand God's process. Listen to God's process in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 5. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know something. Okay, he's not being masochistic here. He's not being, oh, I love pain. Whip me, you know, it's not that approach. He says, We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. You see, human beings suffer, and I get overwhelmed sometimes by the suffering in the world and the, the, the crazy stuff that goes on. So to say, well, I'm a Christian and I suffer is not an exceptional thing. The difference is you suffer with a purpose if you understand the process. You transform that pain into something that can change you, can change your circumstance, can be a blessing to other people because there's a process. Suffering produces 
Perseverance, if your heart's connected to God. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who he's given to us. And the final thing, every morning, we're talking about every morning things, God's pardon, God's process, God's promises, God's presence is the fourth and the final thing. When we get disappointed or frustrated or angry or hurt, we need to know how to get into God's presence. And Sunday worship is a great, I mean, Tuesday worship was so good. I can't tell you what a great team you've got leading here. And and that's great, but it's got to be more than just Sunday. Finding a way to get into God's presence, whether it's with music or song or sitting quietly somewhere or whatever. If it's just a few moments, that whole thing of just getting into God's presence. Psalm 43, verse 3 to 4, it says, Send out your light and your truth and let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. And then I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. That whole idea, God, the holy mountain is symbolic of presence. God, I just want to get into your presence, the place where you live. It's not about the presence of Jesus. The presence of the Holy Spirit. You sang a song, Come Holy Spirit. I love that song at the moment. It's one of the top ones on my hit parade of songs. Come Holy Spirit. They're just in your presence. There's something that happens in the presence of God that just shifts things in our heart, in our mind, transforms things. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website www.thejunctionchurch.com.